18 minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, we now take a look at the big stories in the world of business that uh, had certainly occupied a lot of the conversation in the marketplace today. Joining me to do this is uh, the founder and the chief investment officer at uh, Makwe Fund Managers. And that's Makwe Masilela. Makwe, who's that, bro? Sweet, who's that, my auntie? Ah, sweet, no small, Baba. Long time, no chat. How have you been, man? No, 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 I've been well, anyway, sir. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, ESCOM, it seems, needs 187 billion rand to uh, meet uh, some of their obligations when it comes to their carbon footprint. They've been given five years from 2015, and uh, 2020 might have seemed a long time away then, but it seems now that uh, I guess we're left with a few weeks before we get into uh, 2020. Maybe Makwe Fund Managers might have uh, the solution here. Who, who imposed, you know, all those deadlines on us? Are they trying to meet the government deadline? Are they trying to meet the Paris uh, submit deadline? Well, it seems this is the know? government one, right? This is not one exactly. of those multilateral ones. This is the government one. So it's weird how a government entity would not meet a government uh, deadline. But, uh, yeah, it's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was just a session that the guys had to go through at Parliament. But by all means, we all know that the telecoms have got more serious problems that they need to deal with, you know. They just appointed the CEO now. And we know by all means that the guys don't even have a to be able just to repay the interest on their debt. So there's no way, you know, they will even try to raise that kind of money. They just have to find a way to make sure that they forget about that for now. But one doesn't forget that guys don't have to make sure that they start making sure they meet the standards at some point in time. But for now, unfortunately, we've got more pressing issues, and let alone when it comes to the use of money. Mm, mm, mm. Talk to me just uh, briefly here, uh, Mark, about, I guess, some of the big polluters here. One is ESCOM, uh, and that also has to do, I guess, with how we generate our electricity through uh, fossil fuels like coal. But uh, we also know Sasol, uh, which uh, globally is renowned for being able, uh, just like, uh, I guess, Jesus turned you know, uh, uh, water into wine, they turned coal into fuel. And it seems that they and, they are in pole position alongside ESCOM here. And you see, the likes of Sassol, unfortunately, they don't have to go to the portfolio committee. I mean, given their troubles <laughs> as well, with that like Charles project, yes. that we've seen the cost overrun, I don't think Sassol will be able to have that kind of money to be able also to meet the standards. But yes, as we're talking, it's good intentions, but the question is, do you have the necessary money to do that? And some of the coal miners, let alone ESCOM itself, you know, and besides that, you've got lots of factories who also do the same thing, you know. I mean, that area, so whether you just talk around the Sando or so, I mean, I think we've got almost 37 Pecomian, which have been named as the largest polluters, and the obvious ones, as you said, it's the likes of the Sassos and the likes of ESCOM. But I don't think any of the companies doing what is happening with the global economy, giving what is happening with the tax collection, because you can just see from the receiver, even private companies which don't disclose their results on the JSC. But for the fact that we can see that our corporate tax that the government has been collecting has just been going down, that just confirms to you that those companies are also struggling because you can only pay tax after you've made profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk briefly now and maybe shift our attention away from uh, the SOEs and uh, take a look at uh, Sabanya Stillwater, which uh, it seems now has moved away from uh, the international body here for uh, those engaged in platinum group metal production. And uh, they uh, might be going out on their own after a difference in strategy. 
I think by all means they are allowed to do that. I mean, now they are the big boys. They're just taken on, you know, uh, the, that whole thing that they're the largest producer after those accusations that they've been making. And we know Neil Sundan, you know, back home here, I mean, he went head on head, head on head with the unions. We know how he's been doing things. And if he says, I'm not too happy with their strategy, then he means it. And hey, does he really need it, those guys? I don't think so. And bearing in mind that we, we and they, uh, I mean, we've got almost 80% of the reserves when it comes to platinum, and they themselves, like we said, they're the big boys, I mean, they're the largest uh, producer. And I think we have to get to a point where people are allowed to get in and get out of agreements. Gone are the days that you'll be married to something, even if you are not too happy with it, you just stick with it. Just check what Donald Trump has been doing. It's not happy if something he puts out. Mm. And I don't think it's a thing. I think it's something, as long as your reasons are there, it's not an emotional decision. That, guys, sorry, this is no longer saving the intentions. This is no longer achieving what I thought we need to achieve, you know. I mean, even politically, we see people championship. Hmm. So you're suggesting here that uh, I guess it was good time for them to move. But, uh, you know, this is not some small fry here moving out of this uh, body. I mean, this is uh, probably the largest uh, producer of platinum group metals globally. Uh, and uh, they uh, certainly have a bulk of their operations in a country uh, that has uh, the world largest set of the world's known reserves of this mat- metal. So it certainly does, I guess, uh, pose questions around the relevance of this body without Sibanyi. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter, you know, whether they call themselves the, the, the biggest group. I mean, here's OPEC. It's got the Russia, who's not a member. And mm. after some time, you know, the past three years or so, they realized that, hey, as much as we are, we are producing 40% of the global oil, but we still need the big boys like Russia, who are not part of OPEC. Yeah, yeah. What what does this mean, Makwe, for, I guess, the, the search that is on here to discover new sources of demand for platinum? We know the bulk, I guess, of the uses of platinum is auto-catalytic converters. It's also in the space of jewelry and even some industrial uses as well. Uh, we've heard, uh, you know, the likes of Amplats also saying, hey, we're looking to do some research with automakers here to see whether or not we can't have uh, storage uh, facilities for electric vehicles being used uh, or using platinum group metals. Uh, what does this now mean if, uh, of course, an Amplats and a Sibanya come together and try and finance some of this uh, R&D? And I think their reasoning makes sense. You know, you need in your R&D. Because remember, when it comes to catalyst, platinum is used mainly on diesel cars. And since that scandal of VW, when it comes to diesel carbon emission, most people or manufacturers are trying to move away from the diesel cars. And people who are using the petrol cars are using palladium. Hence, we've been seeing palladium, I mean, prices reaching record highs. So platinum is strictly catalyst, but mainly for diesel cars, and there's no demand for those kind of cars. So I think that clever by saying, let's look for something. And I think it has been proven at some point that it works well as well as storage, you know. So I think those are the kinds of the new demand that the guys have to activate, because or else that metal will just die gradually. And jewelry, unfortunately, is a good thing, but with economies not doing well, I mean, demand is not there. You can even see from the results of the luxury making goods, you know, that things are not working. You can even see the results of the BS as well when it comes mm. to diamonds, but there's no demand of jewelry. So the biggest thing is if the metal can continue to be an industrial metal, then the demand thereof will be able to pick up.
Okay. I want us to pause here for a second, Mark, and to take a brief spot break. When we come back, uh, we'll take a look at, uh, I guess, some of the palace politics happening here. Uh, with all of these suitors hovering around Salsi, it might be MTN, might be Telcom, or even the uh, Buffett Consortium. And uh, it seems here that, uh, I guess, it might be a final decision of some of the shareholders, and in particular those uh, who are, are big creditors uh, for Salsi. But we'll continue to look at that and, of course, the inflation numbers that came through for the month of October. Eight minutes it is now before 8 p.m. And uh, we're wrapping up our top business stories today. And joining me to do this is uh, Chief Investment Officer at uh, Makwe Fund Managers, and that's Makwe Masilela. Makwe, what do you make here of uh, some of the uh, palace politics uh, that are playing out uh, between Salsi, Telcom, MTN, and uh, I guess uh, uh, the silent and hovering role here of uh, the Buffett Consortium and uh, uh, their, uh, what do they call this guy? A, a very reclusive a founder, I think his Jonathan. name is Bear. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Bear. Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's happening here? You know, I don't know. they've got a debt of nine billion dollars. Of course, yeah. Now you can be a shareholder. You can jump. You can scream as much as you want. At the end of the day, if somebody is owing banks nine billion rand, who's calling the shot? It will be a creditors, and your creditors. Whether you like it or not, they are not interested in running a network company or a mobile company. They are interested in getting their money paid back because that money belongs to the people's cast. So mm. what will interest them is to see who will be able to make sure that their debt is being paid. Yes, shareholders, people who got the long-term interest you know, in a company might come with different reasons that we are better off maybe going with Telcom or MTN because of the roaming deal, you know, all those things. But that's not the reasoning of the creditors. The creditors want to see who will be able to give us our money. And as we understand it, the creditors are the ones who are in charge now because $9 billion is not a child's play. Remember, the very same company was capitalized in 2015 or so, but things still didn't work out. So they need someone with deep pockets, and all the parties have deep pockets, whether it's the Buffett Consortium, you know, whether it's Telcom, you know, stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, and it's more of a selfish decision. People are trying to, 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 to meet their interests and bankers or so. You cannot really blame them. They borrowed your money, please pay it back. And if you go along with Telcom, you'll be able to repay us on time. Then definitely they'll go for that one. But yes, people will continue to have their preferences. And for the fact that the guys had a deal signed on Monday or approved by the competition board, you know, on their roaming, I would like to think that Telcom uh, had baked that whole thing in their offer because it didn't come as a surprise. It's something the guys have been working on so that they will be able to get all the possibilities of them getting that roaming agreement with MTN. But I think now we want to treat that as a surprise or as something that will make sure or help the price to go up. I don't think so. I think Telecom has baked that into their offer. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, just from a roaming perspective here, Mark, where I mean, I'm quite interested in what you think the management team 
of uh, Celsius would see as ideal here. There is a turnaround that is underway. And many people are suggesting in the rumor mill that these guys really want to focus on that, focus on the recently penned uh, roaming agreement, um, and uh, potentially, I guess, have a conversation with some of the creditors here uh, to recapitalize the business and uh, have it on that kind of footing. Uh, and probably don't want the complications associated with the telecom deal, but uh, some of the creditors might. Yeah, but you see now the question is that turnaround strategy, that management has been forever implementing that turnaround strategy. So for me, it's not the selling point that we want to implement a turnaround strategy. For me, it's how far are you and then who's going to help to recapitalize you. Because whatever strategy, the turnaround strategy you have, you need some capital injection. So who's going to be able to give you that? Whether you just stick with telecom or you go with MTN, you know, and remember there's also an issue of the spectrum which MTN is interested in. And the guys, unfortunately, they thought they don't need approval from the ICASA, but apparently you need some approval from the ICASA. Yes, we know that the likelihood that you guys will be auctioning some spectrum very soon, you know, but apparently that spectrum auctioning will come with some certain conditions. So Celsi, when it comes to spectrum, is very attractive. But the question is, will the competition, uh, 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 I mean, will the CASA be able to, to approve, you know, that as well? But for me, we need to be honest with ourselves. Unfortunately, the company is no longer in the hands of shareholders. The company is in the hands of the bankers. And the bankers have to make sure that they don't let down their depositors because mm. it's not their money. And truth be told, the banks themselves are not doing too well. So they'll make sure that they want to cut their losses or make sure they don't have any loss. So yeah. I think the argument depends, you know. If you are a long-term shareholder with vested interest, you'll come with a different story. But if I want my money tomorrow, my interpretation will be, listen, I just want someone who can write me a check and then let me go away. Hmm. Let's shift our attention now away from that one. And I know, Mark, we will certainly follow that one closely. I mean, it has the makings of it of a very dramatic finish and uh, we'll watch that closely and see whether or not uh, Sipo Masego and his team at Telcom uh, will come up uh, trumps uh, when it comes to that. But um, let's take a look at the inflation number that came through uh, um, for the month of October, coming in even lower than some of the consensus expectations here. And uh, we know the MPC looks at inflationary expectations, but one would think uh, that uh, this would certainly place a bit of pressure on uh, the MPC as it meets over the next uh, few days or so. I think that announcement on the rates decision coming through tomorrow. So you see, I'm taking that as a literal uh, interpretation, a bit of pressure. So a bit of pressure doesn't matter, you know. You can just <laughs> shake them, then they move on. Because remember now, if you check the rent, the rent has weakened almost 3.3%. If you check that our credit uh, uh, rating, I mean, there's a possibility that it can go either way in mm. the coming four, six months. So I think the Reserve Bank, as much as they are happy to see that inflation expectations are well anchored under 4.5%, they would like to consider those things because I think the movies are just waiting for the February uh, budget statement to decide what they're going to do with us. So if for whatever reason it could happen that they downgrade us, so that will weaken the rent because there will be a lot of money flowing out. And we know that a weaker rent by its nature is inflationary. So I don't think it will be a wise move for them maybe to cut now. As much as all of us would like to see an early Christmas present for them to give us a 25 basis points cut. But the reality is 
I don't think they will. And Ayabonga, consider their latest uh, monetary policy review. The guys have said this state owned enterprises bailout is pushing huge strain on our fiscal, and as a result, the monetary policy interventions alone are unable to help the economic growth. So you need a boost from the fiscal policies. And so all I'm reading in there is that, you know what, I can cut as much as I want, but this is not going to help the economy mm. up until we see some serious structural reform. So yes, all I know and I can put my head on the block is that not going to increase. Nice. Makwe, let's leave it there, my brother. Always a pleasure catching up with you. And I'm certainly holding thumbs uh, that... Uh, we do get our rate cut. You know, a lot of people speaking about the rate cut in July. And uh, I'm one of the people who, who share the sentiment that that was a corrective decision uh, for the rate rise that we saw this time last year. But uh, to the Monetary Policy Committee, uh, the, uh, the Lesecha Khanyakos of the world, Mrs. Fundi Chazban, please, just 25 basis points, man. Huh? Mark, what? Just for that bond, just for that installment, brother. It's not a question of how much you pray, you know. Okay. Hey, Makwe, Makwe seems to believe a lot less in faith and more in the quarterly <laughs> projection model of the Reserve Bank. But that's okay, Makwe. That's okay, Makwe. <laughs> Take care. Makwe Masilela there, uh, founder and the chief investment officer at Makwe Fund Managers, helping us uh, to uh, take stock of some of the big uh, business stories that are moving markets on this Wednesday.